Ancient Radio begins in 3, 2, 1. If it brings her to the same point that it brings you, it doesn't matter whether she called it God along the way or not. That understanding works for you, so therefore it is absolutely right for you. All beliefs have become only relatively true, and of course to the world, religion is just some personalized experience, not a divine revelation, and the church is catching the disease. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Hey, 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 welcome in, welcome in to another edition of Witness Wednesday here on Wretched Radio. I know it's the crescendo, the peak of your week, because you get to hear me talk a little bit more. Anyway, Todd is out today on the campus of Kennesaw State University. He's out in the wild, roaming around, seeing who he could see, trying to find someone to chat with, to to share the gospel with. But who is it going to be? Who's he going to talk to? Well, we have no idea. The best way to find out is to get out there. Prepare for a lesson on sociology, courtesy of Aaron, who is studying sociology. And you're going to have to tell me what that means. What do you, what do you study with sociology? Um, it's basically just like kind of divulge into like people and how they react and like life situations and stuff. So this is like right up your alley. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, it's kind of just like mixed in with mental health, but also like just how you react with other people as well. Cultures, why societies do what they do. Yeah. So you must study history too. Yeah. So here, I'm I'm actually want to ask you a history question. Do you know what is the Easter holiday about? If you're religious and you believe in Christianity, it's about Jesus died for his sins and he got reincarnated on this day, I believe. I think you're pretty you're pretty close. But I would, though, as a sociologist, like to challenge the way you phrase that. Can I do that? Yes. You said if you're a Christian and if you believe that, that's what happened. Wouldn't the reality be that event either happened or it didn't, no matter what people think about it? If it happened, I guess. Yes. But if I don't know. I don't really. All right, know. You're, you're a student of sociology. I am personally a Christian, but like it's up to the eye of the beholder whether they believe it happened or not. Are you a postmodern thinker? I would say, yeah. Yeah, I think you are too. I suspect you are. That truth is valid based on the beliefs of the individual. That would be somebody who's postmodern. That sounds like you. Yes. All right, so I'm going to challenge your postmodernism, Aaron. Are you ready? Okay, yeah. I believe that the microphone I'm holding has all of the power in the universe. And if I sing a song by the Beatles called uh, We All Live in a Yellow Submarine three times into this microphone before I die. This microphone is going to take me to an eternal concert where the Beatles will perform forever and I'll get to be in the front row. That is my... But you only get to listen to Yellow Submarine? (laughs) (laughs) Sound like fun. (laughs) If you really like Ringo Starr. So that's my belief. Aaron, am I wrong? I don't know. I mean, Come on. I don't know what happens after you die. Well, we know that this microphone doesn't have all the power in the universe, Obviously and it's not going to take me to a Beatles Obviously concert. Okay, so you'd say I'm wrong. Yeah. Because post... If you really believe that microphone can do that for you, then who's to say that it can't do that for you? Well, I think I think reason and common sense would tell me this, yeah. this ain't Obviously. it. Obviously. Right, but belief is one thing. Yeah. Truth is another thing. I can believe a lie... But I would be wrong. 
truth is not valid based on the intensity of an individual's belief. It stands or falls on its own merit is either true or false. And I suspect, Aaron, you live more like a pre-modern than a post-modern. What is that supposed to mean, though? Well, do you ever take a test and let's say you get an 88? Have you ever said to your professor, but I believe I got 102, so that's what I actually got? You would never say that, right? No. Instead, you go, oops, I missed 12 points. I was wrong 12 times. I get an 88. And you accept that because that's reality. When you go to Starbucks, what's your favorite drink? (laughs) Uh, Pink drink. It's so basic. So you get a pink drink. And how much is it? Depending on if I get a venti or grande, four to five dollars. Would you ever say to the barista at the Starbucks about your pink drink? I believe it's eight cents. No. No, because it's reality. It should be eight cents in the realistic. If I wanted it to be eight cents, I feel like it should be. But like supply and demand costs and all that stuff. But you can believe it's eight cents, but it's not. And you would just be wrong. So you live like a pre-modern, but you've probably been taught postmodernism because you'll find this, I think, a little bit interesting with your sociology studies. You've been informed and perhaps educated to be a Greek dualist. Philosophically, a, a Greek dualist would say that there are certain things that are reality, like math and science. We test it, we verify it, we run the numbers, that's reality. But things like belief, that's on a different level. That's in the realm of personal. It's not attached necessarily to reality. So it sounds like you're kind of like that. But what even is reality? That's a fair question. My sociological friend, what is reality? Who knows at this point? Like, there's so much stuff going on in this world we don't even know about. Well, true, but how's about you think, therefore, you are? Yeah, I guess. You've got emotions. You're a sentient being. You think, you process, you feel pain. That seems like reality to me. Yeah, that's reality. Do you think we're maybe a big computer simulation? No, but there's, I don't know. There's, I don't think we're the only people in the entire universe. Like, not people, but like beings, living creatures. Why do you believe that? Because there's just so much out there that we don't know about. Right. But wouldn't that be called ignorance? And therefore, I wouldn't make a conclusion based on what I don't know. I mean, to some extent, you're ignorant to not believe that there's not other stuff out there. Well, it might be accurate to say because the place is so vast and because it is so extraordinarily big that there could be something out there. But I would actually reason with you that we can know this is reality and this is the only reality. Can I give that a go and try to persuade you? I mean, this is our only reality in the current state, right? Sure. This is as much as we can consume as finite beings. Sure. I would agree with that. All right. Let me try to reason with you. This thing that we're swinging on right now, where do you think it came from? It's made out of wood and like people made it. Actually, I think it's made out of recycled milk cartons. Is it? It's plastic. I think so. Yeah. It might be plastic, but this is wood and this is metal. Fair enough. Okay, but this thing is sitting here. How did it get here? Workers made it, built it and put it up together. Did you see them making it, putting it here? 
No, but I mean, how did all these buildings just, they didn't just appear? Well, that's going to be my argument. Precisely. They didn't just appear. You know there's a builder. Okay, fair, 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 fair. Because there it is. There's the proof. Now, I would say to you that you, Aaron, are more intricately designed, certainly than the swing set, even more so than that building, even if it's loaded with technology. Your wiring is so intricate, even in your eyes alone, There is no way you happen by yourself. I intuit that because you are made intricately, there is an intricate maker. I agree with that. I do agree with that. So the question then is, who's your intricate maker? (laughs) Personally, biologically, my parents, but Jesus, I believe Jesus, but everyone here. So you believe that Jesus is God? I don't know. I don't really know. It's like a conflict of interest. Like it's something that's like, okay, I didn't really grow. Like I wasn't raised Christian, but like I chose to kind of be because I found peace with God and stuff like that. But at the same time, it's like, I don't know. I kind of think reincarnation might be a thing and like a lot of other stuff. Why do you dig reincarnation? Because I feel like the fact of like we're souls And we are here to, I feel like, okay, this is what I believe is that we each are souls and we come into our life to create our purpose to all as accumulation in each different life. You have a purpose. And then once your soul has completed all its purposes, like you go to heaven. Does that make sense? I I understand it. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Yes, I do. Okay. But the question is, is that true? I mean, I don't know, but it's just an interesting thing to think about. Like, what if that is what happens if we're talking about eternity and if we're talking about an endless cycle here we're talking about living on for forever in some state i think that i'd want to know if what i'm believing is true so coming up with something might feel good but the question is is it good i mean it could be good all right let me just explore yourself internally for a second I'm going to guess one of the reasons you like the idea of reincarnation is because it's kind of a second chance program. So if I kind of biffed it in this life, I can give it another go at at this and have another shot. That feels kind of good. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. But I think there's a better explanation for how to resolve that internal uh, that what if I'm not getting this right here? All right. And I think it comes back to the question about Easter. I, th- I think this this might be the key to a lot of the the parts that you got moving around right now. Okay, okay. Here I am doing that thing that I typically do is interrupting the show at the most inconvenient points. I know this chit chat between Todd and our new friend Aaron is just kind of heating up right now. And when we come back, we'll pick it up where it left off. Can you think of a better week to actually talk about Easter? Well, we're going to get back into Aaron and Todd's conversation about that and maybe a little more sociology. Who knows what's coming, but it is coming and it's coming next. Right after this, you're listening to Witness Wednesday on Wretched Radio. Ah, some good news. Two encouragements from the Tomorrow Clubs. They have hundreds of weekly kids meeting clubs in Eastern Europe, but now they've expanded to Africa 
and the kids are swarming the Tomorrow Clubs. They have never seen greater attendance than the hundreds of new clubs that they are opening up in Africa. That should encourage all of us. The gospel is going forth and reaching kids in unreached places. Encouragement number two, would you like to become a Tomorrow Clubs ministry partner? Your support will help the Tomorrow Clubs open up even more Tomorrow Clubs and reach even more kids with the gospel. Please consider becoming a ministry partner at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. All right, listen up, parents and married couples. We know better than anyone that there can be times of uneasiness in our homes. Well, if you're ready to revitalize and make a transformation in your family life, then I want to point you in the direction of Wretched.org for a new deal so good, you're going to think it came straight down from heaven. I'm talking about the Joy in the Home Bundle. In the bundle, you're going to find the Drive-By Marriage Audio Series, the Drive-By Marriage Study Guide, the Drive-By Parenting Audio Series, and study guide and last but certainly not least reset for parents now understand this isn't a magical potion that's going to make everyone in your home behave but it's the next best thing so what are you waiting for hurry up head over to wretched.org right now and jump on the path that's going to help you bring joy back into your home don't miss out it's wretched.org it's the joy in the home bundle on sale right now trust me you'll be thanking us later I know how you're feeling at the thought of switching from traditional health insurance to MediShare, which is affordable biblical health sharing. That's a big decision and it can be kind of scary, which is why Mrs. Freel and I researched MediShare and determined, yeah, we can trust this ministry, Christians paying for the health needs of other Christians. It's a magnificent ministry, 98% member satisfaction rate. It's amazing. The average family saves $500 per month. If that sounds intriguing, and I hope it does, please do your research. Visit metashare.com slash wretched, metashare.com slash wretched, or call them and talk to a really nice person at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. Books of the Bible. The Apostle Peter wrote to the elect exiles who were facing persecution for the sake of Christ. Peter exhorted them to trust God and to continue living godly lives. He reminds them of their hope in Christ and their high calling. When you want to learn joyful obedience, no matter what your circumstances, look to First Peter. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And we are back, back to the action. Hey, I'm Jimmy Hicks in the studio, which can only mean Todd is out on campus at Kennesaw State University. And we're going to hop straight back into this conversation Todd's been having with Aaron. And they've been talking some pretty deep topics, justification, sanctification. Aaron has also shared about her own battles with obedience, which, look, it takes some guts to admit that stuff to a stranger that you just met. That's holding a microphone in your face. So let's give her credit for that. But let's get back to the conversation now. Where's it going to go? The only way to find out is to get back out to the campus. If Jesus Christ is God, and let's say he was beaten, hung in the air on a tree, 
to die. And then three days later, he rose from the grave. That just busts every law of nature that a dead man comes back to life. And not only that, he's healthy and he can walk six miles that day. That was an extraordinary, miraculous event. The question is, is it true? Did it really happen? It did happen. I think it did happen, actually. Yes, it did. Why? Why did that event take place? What was going on in the death and resurrection of Christ? The Romans were mad because people were like being drawn to Jesus and oh who's the one that ratted on him who's Judas is Judas Judas ratted on Jesus and then Jesus paid for everyone's sins exactly because we're sinners because we break God's laws we don't live for him the way that we should. And I actually was just having a conversation with my friend over there, how we were, I was like, I need to go back to church. Like I've been kind of strained since I came to college, if I'm not gonna, not gonna lie. So I just have been trying to find ways. Like I just got my first job. So I'm kind of going back on the right track. But I, I want to make sure though, that you're on the biblical track. Okay. Fair. All right. Because the Bible says that a man, a woman must be born again or he or she will not see the kingdom of God. You must be born again. Just by using those two words, what do you think that means? Just like you're born again, like you have a completely different perspective on life and how you treat others and just like wanting to walk in the way of Christ. Let me just see if I can color that just a tad. I think you're on the right track with that. That when a man or a woman agrees with what the Bible says about ourselves, because we tend to say a lot of flattering things about ourselves. I tend to like me a lot and I yeah. tend to think I'm doing pretty good compared to like, you know, those people out there and certainly better than Adolf Hitler. Yeah, obviously. Right. Yeah. So I, I have a high opinion of myself and the Bible says you really need to rethink that because I lie and I've stolen in my life. I've lusted. I haven't honored God's name the way that I should. I dishonored my parents. I was unjustly angry at people. In other words, I was a law breaker yeah. and I have to agree with what the Bible says about me. Right. I'm not good. I'm bad. So here's my question. Would you agree that Aaron is a bad person? I would say that I have sinned, but I do believe that I'm forgiven through Christ. Good thought. But just hang on to that one for a second. We haven't gotten that far in our little journey. Do you agree with the Bible when it says that Aaron is bad. Apparently bad, yes. But you can find redemption through Christ. Amen. I agree with that because that's what Jesus died for right. to save us from the punishment that our sins have purchased for us, right? And that's what it means to be born again. You realize you're not good, you're bad, but Jesus is good. He died to save me. And now I don't want my sins anymore. I want my savior. Have you ever been in a almost fatal car crash or a really nasty accident? Yes, I have, yeah. When did it happen? I was in fourth grade and it was New Year's Day and I was in this hammock and my friend, she was like a little bigger than me and this big, huge tree fell on top of my back and I was getting crushed to death and I almost died, yeah. You remember that because it was a big deal. Yeah. You went from the jaws of death to life. When were you born again? 
I want to say November 20, or 18th, 2020. What happened? I was baptized. And I just like had a lot of freedom. I just, it was really great. So the baptism business, what did that do for you? I just started like doing better. I just felt like I was doing a lot of good things. And then I kind of like, when like everything closed down after Corona and stuff like that, it just kind of like made it harder for me. Okay. So would you agree with me? Your baptism didn't do anything for you. It was just kind of an outward profession of what you believe has already happened inside of you. I would agree, yes. So Jesus said that Aaron must be born again to see the kingdom of God. You're telling me for certain, beyond the shadow of a doubt, you've been born again. It's hard because I feel like I was and then like I strayed. So I feel like it's, I don't know, it's like always a kind of like push and, like push and pull relationship for me personally. What does that mean? Like sometimes I just like resist allowing God to like just completely like take over my life and just like walk with God versus like kind of only talking to him or like going to him when I need it. You know what I mean? Let me imagine that when you are tempted to do something, you know, you shouldn't rather than obeying him, you obey your desires. And that's the way you go. Sometimes. Yes. That's an internal battle, right? This might help you, Aaron. Here's a question for you. If you are God's child, if you are in Christ, do you think God loves you more when you are going to church or when you're doing one of those sinful things you know you shouldn't do? When does God love you more? He loves me no matter what. Exactly. Now fathom that for a second. Just grasp that for a moment. I I don't need to know, but whatever your bad sin is that you like to do, when you're doing that bad thing, if you're in Christ, God loves you as much as if you were praying to him at that moment. Now just fathom that. And that is the very thought that should encourage you to not do that thing. Right, right, right. I understand. I got another question for you. In your own words, define for me the theological word justification. Um, like backing something up. Tell me in your own words, as best you can, what does the word sanctification mean? Justification has the word just in it, right? right. So you hear justice. It's like sanctum is like a safe place, right? Uh, it, a sanctuary can be. Uh, but if you're thinking about the Latin word sanctus, you're thinking about the word holy. Sanctification is growing in holiness, becoming more like God. Okay. Justification is the theological doctrine that when Jesus Christ died on a cross, the last thing that he said was, it's finished. He spoke seven words on the cross. One of them, the second of the last was, it is finished, which means justification has been completed. That Aaron, if she puts her trust in Jesus Christ, will not be seen as a guilty, law-breaking criminal, but will be seen as totally forgiven because Jesus Christ paid the judicial payment to God by dying on a cross for Aaron so that you can be seen as justified in the eyes of God. That's the doctrine of justification. Does that make sense? Yeah. So if you're born again, you're a justified saint of God. 
totally forgiven, seen as righteous in the eyes of God because of what Christ has done for you. That's the doctrine of justification. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. The doctrine of sanctification says because of your justification, now your desire is to obey him and to live for him because he has done that for me. Be careful that you don't confuse the two. Because if you think that by doing good, that's making you pleasing to God, you're wrong. Your justification in Christ makes you pleasing to God. And that's the knowledge then that motivates you to live the way that you're supposed to. As we part company here, keep those two theologies in mind and spend time thinking about you are loved by God as intensely as the Father loves the Son, He loves you because you've been brought into Christ. You've been forgiven, you've been adopted, you've been brought into God's family, you've been removed from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's beloved Son. And now, He says, obey and live for me because of what I've done for you. And that should be the thing that helps you to battle those temptations. That's the knowledge that causes you to go, I'm going to church because I want to learn about the God who died for me there. That's genuine Christianity. Don't mingle the two and confuse them because you'll get off track and you'll feel really rotten all the time or you'll become really self-righteous. And God wants you to be a humble, confident follower. Does that make sense? Yes. So as we part company, you're one of the most colorful people that we've talked to out here. Really? Absolutely. One of the most interesting, thoughtful people that we've talked to. I just hope that you will now leave, if you're in Christ, confident and joyful that you're his child. And that will color the rest of your life and make everything make sense, including your sociology classes. Thank you so much. And with that, we've got to take a quick break. But don't you go anywhere because there's more Witness Wednesday coming up straight ahead from Kennesaw State University. It's Wretched Radio. It's time for a Wretched News Break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks, and our first story comes from Idaho, where lawmakers have banned the use of puberty blockers and castration for children who identify as transgender. Of course, as you might can imagine, the liberal media is up in arms, claiming that this is an attack on transgender rights. It couldn't possibly be protection for minors. Not at all. In other news, PETA is claiming that plants might be able to feel pain. And that's led some vegetarians to say that they'll only be eating fruit that falls off trees. Who knew trees were capable of being such martyrs? (laughs) I'm sorry, I can't bear fruit anymore, guys. Just too traumatized from last season. And the latest from California's long line of ridiculous policies comes from the Glendale, California's Unified School District, where the assistant superintendent is now accusing male gym teachers who do not want teenage girls to be undressing in their locker rooms of bigotry. They obviously have to be bigots. I mean, the only way to be inclusive is just to throw everyone into a big old pile and hope for the best. Oh, and in bizarre and tragic news, a man has taken his own life after an AI chatbot encouraged him to sacrifice himself to stop climate change. Just goes to show you that when it comes to making important decisions, we're better off talking to real people than to machines. Hey Siri, how can I save the planet? Well, you could always just kill yourself. Thanks for the suggestion, Siri, but no. 
And some good news, a town in Nevada is considering becoming a sanctuary for the unborn by banning abortions within its borders. It's pray that more communities like this will follow suit and stand up for the sanctity of life. Another day, another tragedy. This time, terrorists have killed more than 60 Christians in Nigeria. And I know we can feel overwhelmed and powerless in the face of senseless violence and tragedy like this, but we can't lose hope. And we have to remember that we have got to pray continuously for all of our persecuted brothers and sisters abroad. And a salute to the Masters University, who's taken a stand against critical race theory. The Masters announced that proponents of this divisive ideology need not apply for employment at their educational institution. The United States Navy has been urging Americans to become allies as the Biden administration promotes transgenderism. The Navy has a new transgender service video, and it emphasizes the importance of supporting transgender service members. Doesn't it make you just feel all warm and fuzzy on the inside and safe to see that our military is focusing on identity politics rather than, you know, national security and being prepared to protect our country? Uh, you know, those pesky priorities, I guess. And that's been today's Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. God has given the church many gifts for the building up of the body. One gift is teaching, the spiritual ability to explain and apply God's Word. A teacher studies to gain knowledge of the Bible, is equipped with wisdom to understand it, and is gifted with the ability to explain it to others so they can grow in God's truth and apply it to their daily life. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. All right, we are back to more witnessing on the campus. It's Witness Wednesday here on Wretched Radio. And guess who's out there in the jungle just roaming around? Yep, it's Todd roaming around looking like a lost sheep. I don't know about you guys, but every time we send him out, every time I hear him talking to somebody on the campus, I can't help but think about those Animal Planet documentaries. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I'm still intrigued. I'm still interested at what's going to happen. Is Todd going to find another Aaron? Well, let's see. The suspense, it's a killing me. The subject, criminal justice. The guest, Creston, you're studying criminal justice. I am. In the evolution of criminal justice, as you understand it this far in your studies, which era do you think better describes where you stand with criminal justice? I would say if I were to pick an era of criminal justice, I would put the the 1990s. The 1990s was a, a great era of just it's, it's not what we see today in criminal justice where the police are looked down on because of the actions of a lot of police officers all over the country. But. It was uh, a time where police officers weren't seen as a threat. They were seen as an authority figure. You can trust them. But that has changed over over time to where a lot of people don't trust police officers anymore. And I'm not exactly going to the field of being a police officer. I want to be somewhere to make change in the criminal justice system. You want to be a politician? No. Uh, lawyer? So what exactly would you do to make a living? I am taking my classes. I'm taking my courses. I'm searching the field on where I would be the most effective change. I haven't found anything yet. I'm only a, I'm a freshman, so I, I'm still searching. All right, let's talk about jails. They have been labeled over the centuries different names. Do you know what those different descriptors have been of jails? What have they been? It used to be called the penal justice system versus today jails are seen as places for restoration. Which do you think is best? I would think that the penal system was better. Why? Because in, in the old system, it was big time offenders. 
you know, it, it wasn't the small time offenders that are going to jail now for smaller crimes and or, you know, people who need more help because there's a lot of people nowadays that need more help with mental or psych- the psyche. But it, it was it was a different it was a whole different system than, than we have today. But what informs you that jails should be more about punishment than restoration? Because there's a lot of programs coming up now where, you know, before in, in the old systems, you'd be like, OK, you have, a, you have this sentence. Now it's we're going to put you on a program or we're going to put you in, in something else and not jail. I was in class the other day and we were talking about a case where he, this guy attempted to kill his wife. He thought he killed his wife. She survived. He got 15 years because he took a plea bargain. Now, that should not happen. If you commit something, it should be punishment. You should. But what I'm asking you, though, yeah. Creston, is what informs you that there should be punishment attached to the violation of a law? Oh, what informs me that? Okay. That, thank you. Because it, it's what's right. If you break a law, you should be punished. You made the statement. Yeah. But what's your support for that? So I would sit here. I'm going to argue the other side. Okay. You break a law. Nope. You should be given 10 Kit Kat bars. Which of us is right? I would say that I am right. Why? Because it's the fabric of what is right in a society. So the society supports your position? Yes. So what if the society evolves and says no more punishment? Society will always change with time. We cannot foresee what society will do in the future. The death penalties are disappearing. Society is changing and society can change. But at this point in time, throughout history, society has been law. You break it. It's like you break, you buy it. Death penalty. For it or against it? I am for the death penalty in certain situations. I'm against it. I'm just going to argue the other side. Okay. All right. Tell me by what authority you stake your position that the death penalty is good. Okay. If a, if a human being shows with malice, predetermined planning, kills multiple people, they, they should not be allowed to take other people's lives and keep living, in my opinion. All you've done there, though, Creston, is you just restated your premise, but you have not told me why you're right. I don't think I can prove I'm right. I can only state the opinion what I believe in. I am now going to switch sides with you. All right. We're going to flip this around. I'm going to take the death penalty side. And I will tell you why, as I sit here on this bench, I am for the death penalty. And I think you're going to agree with me because you have got something about you that has given me a signal of why you believe this. Are you ready? I believe that the death penalty can indeed be appropriate because human beings are better than animals and plants and rocks. We are made in the image of God. And life is so precious because we are image bearers of our creator that if an individual takes the life of another image bearer, it is such a severe evil thing to do as defined by God himself, that the only correct payment is his own life. Why do I say that? Because I believe that that is what the Bible teaches and that's what God says. That's why I'm for the death penalty. Your response? I I 100% agree with you. So here's my question for you, Creston. You don't know me because complete stranger, but without God as your source of authority, Justice is malleable. One day rape is bad. The next day it's good if society says so. 
One day it's penal, the next day it's restorative if society says so. You see, without a plumb line, a higher standard of authority, everything becomes preference. Nothing is right, nothing is wrong. It's all what you happen to prefer, or we as a collective has determined what is right, but it can't ultimately be right because there's no ultimate source of authority. Only God allows us the ability to say something is definitively for all time wrong. Agreed. So you're wearing a cross. Why? I, I believe in God. I sat down on the bench because I saw this on your chest here, and I said, that's a Christian symbol. I'm interested in Christianity. Creston, tell me, why should I become a Christian? Well, personally speaking, I'm actually a Catholic, and I am not too involved in the church. I believe that if you have the belief in God, that, that is enough. I, I do it, pray on my own time. I do things on my own time. Um, I believe it is important to believe in the higher power. I believe it's important to believe in God because it gives people something to believe in, gives hope, it gives life purpose. I, I agree with that. The question though is, who is God? That's a hard question. God is everything around us. So God is in everything? God is every living being. So I'm God? Well, I'm not saying that you're God. I'm saying God, God is within all of us. So you're a panentheist. I actually don't know what that is. <laughs> uh, that God is in everything. Oh. Okay. How did you arrive at that conclusion? I don't know. I just It just makes sense, doesn't it, that God was the creation of the earth and we're all his children. So everything is part of him. I would say that everything is made by him and reflects him. But that doesn't mean that this computer or well, that leaf well, has yeah, God in I'm it. Not, I'm not saying that there's God in the thing. I'm just saying we're part of. We're, we're made by him. Yes, we, we're a reflection of him. Correct me if I'm wrong. You kind of have just kind of, a, you know, God is a being, but not so much the Christian expression of God. Yeah, I would say that you're not. But you're, but you're wearing the Christian symbol. Yes. How come? Because I, I, it's not just a, like, Christian symbol for me. It's a the sign of God. It's the sign of belief. And what does that specifically symbolize? The church. Yes, I was brought up Catholic, but I also, you know, believe in some Christian beliefs. So I'm kind of just a belief. Would you let me put you on the stand for a minute, Mr. Criminal Justice student? Sure. Let me tell you why I believe you're so into justice. Because God is just. We're as image bearers. And so we have a sense of justice because he's the one who knit us together. We communicate because God communicates. We love because God loves. We're in relationship because God is in a relationship with himself and he actually desires a relationship with people. We work because God works. We have courts because there is a court system, a heavenly court system, and God is the just judge of all the earth. So your love for justice actually has its roots in the existence of God himself. Because without God, there's no justice. There's just preferences. Nobody's evil. A rapist isn't bad. I just wouldn't do it myself. But only because God exists do we have an understanding of right and wrong and that people should pay for their crimes. So that's why I think you dig justice because God digs justice. He does. All right. So now let's see if we can make sense of that symbol for just a moment. All right. Use your imagination. You're a young man. Someday though, you know this. You maybe don't appreciate it fully yet, but someday your number gets called, you die. God brings you into his courtroom and he opens up the books on Creston. So now we got a question. What does he record in there? What does the just judge use as his laws to determine if somebody is just or unjust, guilty or innocent? Let's just use the Ten Commandments for a moment. Okay. All right. Creston, have you kept the Ten Commandments? 
I would say to the best of my ability. But it infers that you haven't always kept them. So, for instance, have you ever lied? I have. Stolen anything? No. Something on the computer, from your parents' pockets, anything, a pencil from somebody? Okay, then yes. Have you ever looked with lust? Yes. Have you ever dishonored your parents? Cannot pause for that question. Come on. All right. No, you shouldn't have had to think. (laughs) All I needed to do was call your parents and they're going to tell me. They're going to tell you everything. Right. (laughs) All right. So have you ever taken God's name in vain? Yes. Okay. So that's like five laws. Mm -hmm. God's got it recorded. Mm -hmm. But he goes even further. He doesn't just see what you do. He doesn't just hear what you say. He knows what you think. So Jesus said, you've heard it said of old, thou shall not commit adultery. But I say, if you look with lust, you've committed adultery in your heart. So if you've ever lusted, you've committed adultery, looked at pornography, you've committed adultery. And all of those deeds that were done in darkness are recorded in God's book. It gets thrown open and God sees you, Creston, standing before him with all of the evidence because he was an eyewitness to your crimes. Would you be innocent or guilty. Hold on. We're going to hit the pause button. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back. We're going to dive even deeper in just a moment. In the meantime, feel free to ponder the mysteries of life or just go get a snack. Either way, not going to judge you. Back in just a moment. This is Witness Wednesday on Wretched Radio. Sorry to ask you to do some arithmetic, but this is some math that will encourage you and make you very, very happy. This is one testimony of a mother who chose life because she saw her own baby, courtesy of an ultrasound from Preborn. I was terrified. I really didn't know what to do. The first time I saw the ultrasound, I was just amazed. I was like, oh my gosh, is that my baby? And I, like, I heard her heartbeat and I, I just, I just fell in love. If I could care about my daughter this much, if I could love my daughter this much, how much does God love me? Now take that one testimony and multiply it by 54,253 because that is the number of babies that were saved last year because of ultrasounds at preborn centers. Would you please help us grow that number by providing as many ultrasounds as possible at preborn.org slash wretched preborn.org slash wretched. Hey, thanks for listening to Wretched Radio today. You know, we've noticed that some of you have dipped your toes into the gospel partner pool. But have you prayerfully considered joining us full time in this wild gospel centered adventure? As Paul said in Philippians 4.1, Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, whom I long to see my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way. Let's be honest. What's better than standing firm together, reaching millions all over the world with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ? And we're not asking you to sell all your possessions and join a commune or anything like that. Remember, 80 percent of every dollar you give goes directly to ministry so you can rest assured knowing we're not spending your hard-earned money on private jets or fancy gold-plated iPhones. As a 501c3 ministry, we exist to preach the gospel, equip others to do the same, and strengthen the local church. And so would you prayerfully consider becoming an ongoing monthly Wretched Gospel partner? Just visit wretched.org slash donate or text the word wretched to the number 44321. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. So, you're not convinced of the importance of training men to rightly divide the word of truth and fill pulpits internationally? Fine. 
then we'll let Paul Washer convince you. It is so important, not just important, it's absolutely essential to have a trained expositor of the scripture in every church. When we read through the book of Acts, we can see that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Christ, advances as the word of God advances. Would you please consider joining the Master's Academy International in filling empty pulpits with men who can exposit the scriptures and advance the kingdom of God it's a magnificent ministry with a generational impact. Please learn more about supporting TMAI at wretched.org slash pastor. Wretched.org slash pastor for the Masters Academy International. Names of God. We learn a lot about God from the names given to him in Scripture. One name is Jehovah Rohi, the Lord is my shepherd. A good shepherd protects, directs, provides, and cares for his sheep. Jesus called himself the good shepherd, who lays his life down for his sheep. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And we are back. It is more Witness Wednesday here on Wretched Radio. And when we last checked in, Todd and Creston, they were having a riveting discussion, seriously, uh, about the cross and being born again. It was pretty intense, but don't worry. You thought we did, but we're not going to leave you hanging. Does Creston think he's innocent or guilty? I'd say I'd be innocent. Really? How? Because God can judge me on that. But as long as I pray to him, as long as I I repent my sins, I will still be innocent. Okay, let's bring it down to an earthly court system for a minute. That would be like saying to the judge, judge, hold on. Um, I know I've done these crimes, but I believed in you and I've done good in other areas. I haven't always been a lawbreaker. It doesn't have any bearing on your crimes. In a a human courtroom. So I I guess I'd say I'd be be guilty. Yeah. And so would I. And frankly, so would everybody would be guilty. So if God is just and if he is into penal justice, would you go to heaven or hell? If he's into penal justice, I'd go to hell. Now, tell me about that cross you're wearing. What does that have to do with our conversation? What has to do with God. What exactly? That means more than just representing God. That means something very specific and it's very penal. It's called penal substitutionary atonement is the theological term. That cross symbolizes that you are a guilty criminal for whom Jesus died to pay the punishment, to pay the fine that you owe to God that you cannot pay yourself. That was an act of the most unjust thing was done to the Son of God because God was pouring out his wrath on your behalf that justice could be satisfied so that you, a guilty criminal, could have your court case dismissed because Jesus paid your fine. That symbol is way more than about God. That is about the God man Jesus dying for you so that your court case can be dismissed. Okay? So, Creston, here's the question though. If that symbol represents complete forgiveness of sins, right standing with God, court case dismissed, how does somebody receive that that sentence dismissal? How do you get forgiven by God so that you don't have to go to hell. Do you know? I would say that in order to really repent your sins, you've got to confess. You've got to confess your sins. You've got to know what you have done is wrong. But I I understand that, yes, even if you know that you've done it wrong and and I've 
criminal courtroom doesn't make you innocent and you can still go to jail. So there, you, knowing that there's a chance, you, you might go to hell. Yeah, because if I just agree with the judge, he's going to say you should agree because mm-hmm. yeah. you are guilty and you are going to be punished. But it doesn't dismiss my case. The Bible does talk about confession, but it uses a different word. The word is repent. It's actually a Greek word. If you ever studied languages, it's it's two words conjunction put together. Metanoia means to have a different mind, a change of mind, but it also encompasses a change of will and a change of emotions. In other words, the totality of your being needs to turn. You're a guilty criminal. Jesus died for you. You turn from your sins. The Bible says you repent of your sins. Oh, yeah, you agree with God. Think of it like this. I say to you, hey, dude, it's a nice day here. But it's even nicer in Florida. Let's go. I'll drive. I know the way. So we jump into my car. We start driving. And hours go by. And it's like, man, when are we going to get there? And I tell you, it's going to be about 30 more hours. You're a little skeptical. And then you start looking at the trees. And instead of seeing palm trees, you're seeing pine trees. The temperature on the bank sign, it's not getting warmer. It's getting colder. Suddenly, the weather changes and snow is flying. And you see a sign that says Canada, 80 miles. What do you want me to do? Think it through. But I told you we're going to Florida, and I took you the wrong direction. I I wronged you. What do you want me to do? Confess that I was wrong? Here's the process. You want to point out the signs, and you want me to agree with you. You're right. I was wrong. I'm doing the wrong thing. You want me to stop? I suspect you'd like an apology. You'd like me to turn around. And then you want me to start going in the right direction. It is, but it's an analogy. It's an illustration. And you want me to keep going until we get to the place I promised to take you. That's repentance. That you understand that you've done God wrong. You've sinned against him. You've been going in the wrong direction. You stop. You apologize. You turn from your sins, not in perfection, but with a new desire to not sin. And you put your faith in Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, if you will do that, you will be saved. You will be forgiven. You will be adopted into God's family. It will be as if you took your rap sheet and it was pinned on Jesus. And he takes his resume of righteousness and he gives it to Creston. So that you can be seen not just as forgiven, but as the righteousness of God. That is what that symbolizes right there. But listen to this carefully. Jesus said, unless a man is born again, he will not see the kingdom of God. Got it? You got to be born again or you go to hell. So here's my question. Creston, have you been born again? Do you know what it means? Do I know what it means to be born again? I know you can be born again through baptism. And I would like to think through just really turning your life in the opposite direction. Yeah, to be clear, an act does not get you saved. Baptism doesn't do a thing for you, but gets you wet. Well, yeah. Okay. But like being being baptized and then turning the corner. Nope. Here's here's what it is. You put your wholehearted trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. You admit to him you have been wrong about everything. And you knew you were doing wrong things. And you, you confess your sins to him as a guilty criminal. And you throw yourself at his feet for his mercy. You humble yourself like a child. You die to yourself and he makes you born again. It's coming to God without excuse, without saying, well, I've done good things. Well, I didn't really know. I was going to deal with it later. I tried to make up for it. You come clean. 
And God says, you humble yourself and he will make you alive in Christ and he'll forgive your sins. He'll grant you everlasting life. He'll bring you into his family. And when you die, your court case is dismissed because Jesus Christ paid your fine. Now, this is the big question in all of this. Okay. Right. And you're of the of the age where your worldview might kick against this a little bit. Is what I just told you true? Objectively true. I would think so. Yes, it is true. So it's objectively true. Then as, as you sit here today, if you have not been born again, you're outside of God's family. You're still at war with God. Go in your own way. So Jesus commands you today, repent, put your trust in him, forsake any other notions of God, any other path, any other system, any work righteousness, and you will be saved. That is what that symbolizes. So, Creston, if you're not born again, you're outside of God's family and his wrath abides upon you. And the Bible says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And you should want this offer, not just because it's fire insurance and it's going to get you out of hell. It's going to do that, but it misses the point. Jesus, God himself in flesh, just like you and me, real flesh and bones, died for you. And he knew that he was going to die for you, even though he knew that you were going to dishonor your parents, look at pornography, maybe have sex outside of marriage, lie, cheat, steal. Nevertheless, he came to this earth to take the punishment you deserve. That's why you should run to him, because you can be in a right relationship with the human being who is the God man, Jesus Christ, who loves you more than anybody else on this planet. This isn't just about fire insurance. This is about knowing God and having all of life colored. Right now, when you're outside of God's family, it's all black and white. It's just, you're going through the motions to get a degree so you can get a job, so you can get money. Maybe you find a wife and you get kids, but there's no purpose to it. This brings purpose and meaning to everything. Suddenly life has transcendent value and you're doing these things because you're living in gratitude to the God who died to save you. So Creston, you're into criminal justice. So is God. And my guess, my friend, would be right now, you're a criminal. Yes. And now, right now, you know how to have your court case dismissed. I do. So I don't know everything, but I can't imagine anything more important for you to consider today than what we just talked about. I couldn't either. So I'll walk away and the ball is in your court, my friend. Thank you very much. All right. That is going to put a wrap on this week's Witness Wednesday here on Wretched Radio. Great conversation with Todd and Creston. Creston admitted that he indeed is a criminal in God's eyes and understands how to have his court case dismissed. So let's all be in prayer for Creston. These aren't matters to put off until tomorrow. Honestly, we, we don't even know if tomorrow's in our future. We have no way of knowing that. So let's pray Creston's eyes were open in this chat today. And if not today... Pray God continues to flood his life with people who unashamedly share the gospel with him until he repents. And that's going to do it for this week. We've got more Witness Wednesday next week. Until tomorrow, go serve your king.